podcast one production. G'day, I'm Tim Harcourt and welcome to the Airport Economist. In this first series, I'll take you to the key markets of the world where you can do business and do it well. I'll guide you through the economics, politics and social history of each place and talk to an expert about the tricks and traps of doing business in each particular market. But first, strap yourself in because in this episode, we're off to Brazil. Well, when I first went to Brazil, I went to three very different cities and had three very different experiences. I started in Porto Alegre, which is in the south of Brazil, in a state that's very prosperous, and I spoke at the World Social Forum, which is sort of like the left-wing World Economic Forum they have each year in Davos in Switzerland. I was invited to speak. I spoke at a forum on trade and labour issues, and one of the other speakers was a big, burly trade unionist with a big black beard, and I asked someone rather naively who's the fellow I'm speaking with? And they said, well, that's Lula. He is the presidential candidate of the Workers' Party. And in that year, he was actually running for president after three attempts, after being jailed by the military regime, and he became president of Brazil that year that I was there. I then went to Sao Paulo, which is like the business capital of Brazil. Very industrious, huge industry, huge business. All the banks are there. And really, you know, it's got a population bigger than Australia, so it was quite an overwhelming but fascinating experience. And then finally, I went to Rio de Janeiro, which is, of course, the famous carnival place in Brazil, host of the Olympics, the former capital, beautiful physically with Copacabana Beach and the Sugarloaf and the Christ the Redeemer statue up at Corcovado. When I was staying at the Copacabana, I was told it was a a fun place, but I was warned about the violence there and and generally in Rio. But the only violence that occurred was actually my fault. One morning I was jogging on the Copacabana Trail, having a great time, and suddenly a Brazilian on a bike came behind me and like a good Aussie rules footballer, back pocket player, I sort of moved the wrong way and caused a terrible accident where he broke his bike, he turned over... He cut his knee, and suddenly I thought I could understand Portuguese because he started swearing at me very angrily. All the locals surrounded me, and I thought I was going to be in a lot of trouble. But to my surprise, the locals actually turned on the Brazilian and said, well, the poor foreigner, he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know it was a bike track. And the actual tourist police came up and apologised to me for the incident and suggested I join one of the local beach parties with the local Brazilians. So the violent incident actually turned out pretty well. But it struck home to me that Brazil is an incredibly large place in terms of scale and in terms of diversity, just by looking at those three incredibly different regions. Sure, it's had its problems with corruption and corporate governance, but it's really determined to root out that corruption. And one thing you can really say about Brazil is that economically, it's the only place in South America that has scale, whether it be manufacturing, aviation, the car industry, mining, services, and that incredibly large consumer market. So if you're looking to do business in a place, you've got to say that Brazil is really too big to ignore. 
Here to guide us through doing business in Brazil is Cristina Talaco, Director of Saudoche Fine Foods. For over a decade, Cristina was also the President of the Australian Brazil Chamber of Commerce. Cristina, welcome. Bom dia. Bom dia. Now, you're a Brazilian, a Paulista, but you're also an Aussie now, aren't you? You've been here sometimes. So would you call yourself a Brazilian Aussie? Yes, yes, I'm definitely Aussie in so many ways. I still have, obviously, my accent, as you notice. And my heart is is still in Brazil for many reasons. I still have family there and I grew up there. But uh, I'm definitely a lot more Aussie nowadays than I am Brazilian. Now, Brazil's a large economy, a massive economy, ninth largest in the world. What are the prospects for Australian business and why would you go to Brazil now? Well, irrespective of anything that's happening with Brazilian politics at the moment, I think Brazil has shown throughout the years to be quite resilient and to really um, be able to get out of crisis quite easily. Brazilians are, generally speaking, uh, you know, a group of people who can adapt very easily to different circumstances and you know, generally speaking, also the private sector does very well in Brazil and the corporate sector too. So being the ninth economy in the world with really large GDP and really it's the superpower in Latin America when you look at all the Latin American countries. It's the largest economy and it is the largest partner for Australia and Latin America in terms of trade. The the balance is still positive for Australia, which is fantastic. So I think for for Australians, there, there is a great perspective of collaboration with Brazil in many areas, in many sectors of industry, which we've only really just scratched the surface in the last 20 years with the relationship in trade and in investment. So there's a lot more to do. There's a bit of tyranny of distance, isn't there? And historically, Brazil looked to Lisbon, Australia looked to London. But we were both sort of great southern lands with agriculture, with mining, uh, with a multicultural population, with, with beaches and, and a similar lifestyle in some ways. Yeah, culturally we're quite similar. If you, you just have to go to Brazil once, as you might have done a few times, to realise how close we are. We're very outdoor and casual people. The way we do business is very similar, irrespective of the language barrier. But we've also been colonised by other countries and we're a multicultural country. So this diversity, which enriches our business culture, is, is very important and it makes us very um, you know, similar. So in this, in, in this way, I have to say that it's a, in many ways, it's so much easier to do business with Brazil than it is with Asian countries around our area of the Middle East because of our cultural similarities. And I think the opportunities are everywhere and we have to look beyond trade and beyond investment, but also collabor- scientific collaboration. Uh, the IT and biotechnology areas are very strong between the countries. Um, there is water, waste management, oil and gas has been always a strong linkage between our countries and mining. And recently METS as well is very big. So there's a lot of uh, Australians who, when they venture into Brazil, they might find that it's actually easier than they expected from a cultural and from a, a bus- how-to-do-business basis. Now, by METS, you mean mining, engineering, technology... That's right. ...services. So you've got Gecko Systems, yep. for instance, a Ballarat company, very big in Brazil in terms of their business. Yeah. But you've also got what big players, uh, Westfield, uh, New Farm. Uh, you're seeing collaborations between the CSIRO and the Brazilian equivalent, uh, Embrapa. So yeah. do, you, do you think that, I mean, do you think the mining and farming, the rocks and crops, that's the sort of basis of the commodity 
economies of both the great southern lands, and that's what we can build upon. Yeah, once once we break the barrier that we see each other as competitors in the world of mining, because we're both exporters of you know so many minerals, and we realize that the collaboration and the opportunities, Brazil being such a large mining. Um, country and then Australia having all the technology in maths, as you mentioned, and engineering and services, then it becomes a lot easier to see where the opportunities lie. And there are already more than 100 Australian companies doing business in Brazil and successfully. Of course, a few fail. They may not be doing their homework properly when they go there or they don't understand the cultural barriers and the bureaucracies involved and issues with taxation. So those who really got the right advice and had their foot on the door with the help of either Austrade or other government and uh, associations that have the local knowledge have done really well. And Brazil is a long-term country because it's a country full of complexity. So if you want to go there very quickly and use the same formula you've used when you entered into Chile or other South American countries, then you probably will fail because Brazil is completely different to all the other Latin American countries. So it's not just the Portuguese, it's a large domestic economy. And I think up until the 50s, more Brazilians could speak English ahead of Spanish. So they really see themselves as one entity in its own right. True. And don't forget, we were colonised by the Portuguese when all the other neighbours uh, were colonised by the Spanish. So to start, we have different language, we have a different culture. And although there are similarities, obviously, generally speaking, in Latin America, uh, Brazil is a very large democracy. Uh, other countries are suffering from you know, populist governments and, and, and different uh, framework when it comes to exports and imports and like tariffs. Ve- like Venezuela. Correct. Yeah. So Brazil is quite a, a unique country within South America. And you do have to acknowledge all these differences when you go in there to do business or invest. So it's very important to do that research and, and understand the, the subtleties and the differences. Now, when I was in Brazil, the airports were chock-a-block because the wealthier middle-class Brazilians were flying north to Miami to buy consumer goods because they didn't want to pay Brazilian prices. And then their maids and servants were flying south to Buenos Aires because the exchange rate was quite favourable. So we sort of had wealthier people going north and, and poorer people going south. I mean, is that is there something about Brazilian prices? You know, you've sort of got an OEC, you know, a country with OECD taxes and mm. prices, but, you know, developing country services. Is, is there a Brazil paradox in that sense? Yeah, I mean, Brazil has a very complex tax system and, you know, you have interstate taxes. Um, as an exporter, it's very hard for me, even being Brazilian, to actually break into Brazil because of the number of taxes that my, uh, and duties that our products will attract when they arrive in Brazil. So that puts off a lot of people. I mean, there's other ways, I mean, to, to break these barriers. And I think recently the governments have been trying to, to really cut down and, and have a look and do a bit of tax reform in terms of making it more viable and more competitive because Brazil used to be a, a market that was very closed a while ago. And once it opens its doors, it's, it's when competitiveness brought quality for the consumers and everything else. With the large growing um, middle class in Brazil, you can see that the purchasing power being so high, uh, there's a demand. And with social media, there's no way that these taxes can be long term because with buying online and e-commerce, you know, the government will have to start addressing the issue of taxes and how it's all framed. There's still a few 
problems with exporting into Brazil. Some some products attract huge taxes. It's basically protectionism. And I, in my in my view, with Brazil becoming a lot more of a global pay, player, this this will slowly start uh, improving. Yeah. Now, politics aside, um, President Fernando uh, Cardoso and then Lula brought in this Bolsa Familia, which had payments to the poor. And you got a huge, almost the size of Argentina going into the Brazilian middle class. Has that really boosted the retail sector and why Westfield is there and, and, and so on in Brazil? Yeah, I believe it has. I mean, every year that I visited Brazil since that Bolsa Familia started, and you can see visibly that there's a lot more uh, retail movement in Brazil. There's a lot more people being able to go from, you know, the the lower classes into the middle class. And there's also ways that Brazilians being so, you know, creative, there's ways of attracting new consumers. So when you purchase something in Brazil nowadays, hardly ever you would pay once, like, you know, with cash, like we do here, everything is installments. So all credit cards are approved for installments and you can pay for your TV or for your new iPhone in 12 times. Like high purchase. Correct. So we've, we've been doing that for many, many years ahead of any other country. So there's all sorts of things that are done to incentivize consumerism in Brazil. And now that we've seen a, a large number of people moving you know, this mobility from the lower classes into the middle class has really assisted retail. Gee, you wouldn't have wanted that in the days of hyperinflation, would you, those instalments? <laughs> no. They wouldn't have worked so well. You would have wanted to pay it all as soon as That's you could. That's right. Yeah, it was a lot more attractive than paying first thing and, and not waiting for the end of the month. Now, you mentioned there's about 100 Australian businesses in Brazil. We know about New Farm. We know about Westfield, mm. Gecko. Um, what's the best way to get a foot in the door. Do you go to Austrade in Sao Paulo? Do you use the Brazilian government? Yeah, well, there's no doubt that the more support you get as a business, especially if you're a small business, usually the large businesses, they have a lot more knowledge globally and they can actually, you know, help themselves in that sense. But I think if Austrade has offices in Brazil and they're there to, to help newcomers and to help uh, Australian exporters and investors anyway, I don't go into countries without getting the help of Austrade or without getting some knowledge on the country through other inst- associations like chambers of commerce and business councils. Um, they can also help you not just with information, but contacts. And for anyone uh, who wants to do business with, with Brazil, you know, relationships are very important. So it's very important to make the right contacts from day one. It's important to have good legal advice, a good accountant, because of the complexities of um, work relations, taxes and duties in Brazil. It's highly bureaucratic, so unfortunately that's one of the barriers that every business person will encounter in Brazil is the bureaucracies. But if you do have the help of Austrade and uh, local uh, experts in Brazil, they will definitely shorten the period of time to set up a company. They will find the ways of helping you and assisting you not to make mistakes. Um, you can visit the consulate here. The consulate, the Brazilian consulate has a great commercial branch here that supports anyone who wants to do business with Brazil with information. And they will have, they have a portal online as well for those who haven't done business with Brazil before. So you can get your own knowledge online or going through to the consulate. And it's really 
with Brazil, it's face-to-face. It's really hard to do business from a distance. Uh, Brazilians are not comfortable talking business unless they really meet you face-to-face and they develop a relationship first. It's a very personal culture, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very personal culture and it hasn't changed, irrespective of social media and all the technology. It's still very much a country where you send an email to, to somebody and don't expect a reply straight away. Um, they do prefer a phone call. They want to see you. They want to they go for dinner with you before they do business because that's how they feel the trust will be generated. It's through face-to-face meetings, getting to know who you are. And it's, it's rather personal. They want to know your family, what you do on the weekends. It's quite a different business approach to other places. So you can't expect things that quickly. So visiting is really important. So it's more relationship-driven than transactions. Yeah, definitely. Now, Christina, I wanted to talk about customs and culture. Uh-huh. And I remember one time you got me to speak at the Australian-Brazil Chamber of Commerce, and before I spoke, you organised for some Brazilian dancing girls to come in <laughs> and make me dance before I spoke, which brought me into great disrepute with my employer. But... That, that's pretty common, isn't it, to have a, a carnival-type atmosphere, even in business settings? Definitely. We do mix business with pleasure a lot, and we we normally, you know, what's acceptable in Brazil may not be acceptable in other countries, or, you know, that's the cultural thing about Brazilians, is that we're quite casual, we're, we're happy to, to entertain, we're happy to have parties, and we're happy, we really don't mind having our culture displayed at those type of gala dinners. I'm really sorry about what happened oh, to no, your no, team. I had, put no, you I had on the my spot. Defense, I had my defence ready uh, that it was all cultural <laughs> and uh, that's what it was all about. Yeah, so it's quite interesting the different culture you know, approach that we have when it comes to business and mixing that atmosphere of partying and it's really important for us that part of the equation. So we want to take some you know, pleasure out of what we're doing professionally. Yeah. So if I go over to Brazil to start a business and I'm just meeting people for the first time, is it common to go out for lunch or dinner or go over for a barbecue? What's the usual thing? Definitely. And in fact, you will gain a lot of points if mm. you invite the prospective customer or client to go out for a lunch. Don't expect it to be a one-hour lunch, probably be two hours. Brazilians are big on lunch. Uh, everybody takes at least an hour to have lunch and proper lunch, sit-down lunch and good food. So that's something that you should do to gain points is to socialize, buy tickets to the football and take them, you know, uh, corporate dinners, take the family, invite the wife, invite the husband, because in Brazil, uh, business is done also with the partners. And most of the time you will find that good business uh, happen not really in a meeting room or in a corporate scenario, it will happen at those dinners. That's when you close the deals. At the dinner at the World Cup or, or whatever. Yes, yes, but don't don't talk about Brazilian f- football if Brazil is losing the game. No, no. Only if it's winning. That's right, very important. <laughs> I remember that game against Germany. Emotional. Yes, yes. With you know, contracts and you're a lawyer, so you know these things. Does yes mean no or yes mean maybe, you know, these yeah. cultural things with deals? Yeah, there is there is that kind of loose face as well in Brazil as it is with sometimes Asian countries where they try to, as much as they can, to please you. I mean, Brazilians don't like saying no. Mm, they're not confrontational. You, they're not confrontational. They're not going to say no straight away. Uh, they might indicate later on 
that they're unable to fulfill your expectations and that might be a process that will frustrate you. So you have to be sure that what's on the table is really viable and, uh, you know, do your due, due diligence with the companies that you're approaching because, yes, no, I mean, yes, can mean no sometimes and because, simply because, not because they intend to, but Brazilians are trying to always please and they don't want to be upfront and say, no, we really don't like your product. We're not going to do business with you. They will always find a way of giving you a bit of hope because they don't want to disappoint. And is it legalistic, you know, in some Latin countries having a, uh, once you've done the, the agreement, you're rarely taken to court. Is that the same in Brazil? I mean, it's not as legalistic as the United States where they'll litigate no, because the legal system takes so long and it's so costly. Brazilians don't believe in the legal system as much as <laughs> other countries. As so much as we try to avoid it and have agreements outside the courts. So uh, that is not an issue. I mean, things have to have gone really sour for that to to happen, you know. And plus, they try to avoid all the legal costs as well. So they're trying to find always an amicable way to solve solve problems. But like I said, it's a country where you have to do your due diligence and. It's very important to have the right partner or the right agent and the right advice. Uh, I've known a few companies that did very, very well in Brazil exactly because they had that patience. They, they took time to really, uh, you know, have a really solid relationship with the right partner and others have jumped into it a bit fast without the right due diligence and then things can happen. But that, that can be said of any other country that you're doing business with. One thing I've noticed is that um, despite the headlines about the political system in Brazil, Brazilians themselves are very successful. You know, in my MBA class, Brazilian students are top-notch. Brazilian academics are great. Brazilian diplomats are very impressive. Mm. Brazilian business leaders are very impressive Mm. globally. Is that a paradox that you have such impressive human capital in Brazil? Yeah, we're, we're a nation of contrasts. And uh, if you look at the pyramid of Brazil with such social issues at the bottom, but then we have such highly educated Brazilians. And for many, many years, Brazilians have been going to Harvard and Oxford to do their masters and degrees. Education is a very important aspect of, of Brazilians' um, life. And even those people who are, in, in, even for the lower classes, it's really important to educate themselves. So we take it very seriously. So therefore, I think we have produced a lot of really good business and uh, academics around the world. And that gives us presence in other countries. I mean, we've had here the um, CFO of BHP Billiton was a Brazilian for, for a long time and the head of um, HSBC in Australia was also a Brazilian. So we've got great examples of Brazilians who are very uh, successful all over the world. And indeed in Cambridge and uh, in Harvard, Brazilians do very well in economics and in uh the University of New South Wales, the top students in the MBA course are Brazilians and That's Colombians. Right. So they, they, they do have a strong presence here yeah. in Sydney. Yeah, don't forget that with all the issues we've had in Brazil in, in the economy, we have to be very savvy. So they are very good, definitely. A lot of the business people that come to Australia, they've been students here before. And in fact, education is one of the largest exports to, to from Australia to Brazil. I mean, in 2016, we've had 30,000 you know, Brazilians enrolled here in, in English courses, in, in, in vocational courses and postgraduate courses. And these people who come here, they have such a fantastic experience in Australia that then when they go back to Brazil as business people, they want to do business with Australia. And if you go to Manly, Bondi or Coogee, you can't yes. miss them, can you? No, you can't. I mean, like I said, they mix 
you know, business and pleasure. They want to surf and they want to study. <laughs> so, combination. Yeah, and, and we have very similar outdoor, you know, environment. Brazilians love the beach. They love the outdoor lifestyle. They love the climate in Australia. So Australia has become a very important market for, for students, uh, for Brazilian students. And uh, we, if the visa uh, was even easier for Australians, for Brazilians to access Australia students, we would have probably doubled the numbers. Now, what are the top challenges? You've mentioned red tape, uh, bureaucracy. Anything else that right. comes to mind? Um, yes, I mean, tax is one, and I mentioned that in the bureaucracies. I mean, it takes a long time to set up. Registering a company is still quite difficult. Um, and paying the tax, getting the permits if you're doing exports. And on average, uh, I was reading that it takes 11 procedures, 90 days to start a business in Brazil. So we're not quite there yet. And so patience is the core ingredient. But I think there's myths. Distance is, is a barrier because people look at Brazil as being far away, not geographically um, around Australia like Asian countries, and therefore uh, very few people want to venture into Brazil. The myth of the language, that it's going to be hard to do business with Brazil because of language barriers. And also, you know, the protecting your IP and your brand. A lot of people look at Brazil like, oh, no, I should not get into there until I you know, protect my brand or protect or patent my... So there's all sorts of issues that surround um, doing business with Brazil that we, we really would like to see them, you know, moving out of the way to facilitate uh, closer relationships. People have the myth that Brazilians are very casual. So, you know, I'm going to wear a, like a polo shirt to a meeting. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Very no, no, bad, no, no. bad move. So when you go, please make sure in your suitcase you have really good formal, uh, if, you're, if you're a male, a suit and a lovely tie, and you're female, make sure you have some of your best corporate dresses there because Brazilians are fashionable. And it's really, they pay a lot of attention to appearance because they think that if you're looking after your appearance, you will do the same in business. And the other thing is punctuality. People think, oh, Brazilians are always late, so you know I'm going to be late a few minutes. That's not always the case at all. Uh, usually Brazilians, when they're late, they do blame the traffic because we have horrendous traffic. So you as, um, you know, when you have a meeting with a, a customer or a client, you can't be late. They, they can be late because they're Brazilians. But if you're a foreigner, they expect you to be on time. So make sure you understand the traffic conditions before you leave the hotel or wherever you're going. And, you know, don't get there later than five minutes because it doesn't reflect well on a foreigner being late. But other than that, I don't see that there's too many challenges in doing business with, with Brazil. I mean, if you go past that bureaucracy, if you're patient enough to do things properly and timely in Brazil, it's a place where so many com- companies did so well, like Orica, you know, QB has been there for a long time, the Macquarie Bank is there, BHP has been there forever. So it's a country that shows that long term, you can actually have fantastic returns. Now, I've been dying to ask you this. When you do business in Brazil, where do you go? Is it Sao Paulo or Rio or Porto Alegre? It really depends. Uh, as a Paulista, <laughs> I'll highly advise São Paulo. <laughs> it is the business capital of Brazil. Done. Yeah, I mean, we have more than 20 million people. Paulistas are known for working really hard, for having a very uh, business-minded uh, style of, of living and Cariocas, on the other hand, from with Rio. the beach, yes, Rio is known to be a place for tourism, 
But it's not really the reality because a lot of the headquarters of um, oil and mining companies are all in Rio. Mm. So it oil really and gas. Yeah, oil and mm. gas. Mm. And so it really depends on the industry. If you're talking fintech, if you're talking uh, retail, and if you're talking you know, banking, yes, Sao Paulo is the place to go. There's so many other states now flourishing in Brazil. The south of Brazil is doing very well. Florianópolis, a city like Curitiba, there are more and more, you know, business happening in those areas. Uh, their economies are, are getting bigger and bigger every year. So Brazil is quite diverse. So it really depends on the industry that you're focusing upon. But we can safely say that Sao Paulo is where most business happens and industry. What would be the final thing you'd tell someone doing business in Brazil? All right. Don't do it on your own. You do need the, the local advice. You do need those who really understand the system very well from the legal, tax and you know, workplace point of view. You get surrounded by good advice and, when and that will encourage you as well because you know that you're not going to fail. So it's, it's a place where you get in and you don't get in alone. You just make sure that you speak to other businesses in Australia who have had the same experience. And that's really important to gather from other businesses. What were the challenges, the difficulties and where they fail and when, where they succeeded. So get as much advice as possible before you enter the market. Christina Obrigado, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of the Airport Economist. I hope you enjoyed listening and picked up a few useful tips along the way. The Airport Economist podcast series is produced by Liv Proud, audio production by Darcy Thompson, and executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. The Airport Economist is recorded at the studios of Podcast One Australia, for more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au, download the app, look us up on iTunes. And don't forget, there is also the Airport Economist TV series and book of the same name. You can find out more at our website, theairporteconomist.com, before you take off. Well, thanks for joining me. I look forward to our next business adventure together somewhere in the big wide world. I'm Tim Harcourt, and I'm the Airport Economist.